This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on not sharing your signature scent, appreciating preschool staff, social secretaries, and a favor turned intrusion. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question of the week is about managing leftovers when guests seem to be taking them all home. (laughs) Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute and a postscript primer on what etiquette really is big ideas here cuz big ideas <laughs> all that's coming up awesome etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in vermont and is proud to be produced by the emily post institute i'm lizzie post and i'm dan post senning happy new year cuz happy new year to you too <laughs> I'm I'm both sad to see 2022 gone in some ways because it's our technical 100-year anniversary. And personally, I'm yeah. a little bit excited that because the book came out in July, I feel like we get an extra six, seven months of celebrating. Right? 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 <laughs> oh, sure. I'm, I'm on board with that. Well, I definitely I, I'm 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 feeling celebratory. All of this good holiday cheer, all through the month of November and through the the New Year's Eve holiday, it's it's put me in a good spirit. Cause I'm really feeling good about looking forward to this year and diving in and getting things done. It's so nice to hear you say that. I am <laughs> in a very similar place. I'm feeling the way I would hope that I would feel around a new year. Good about the year that's passed, but. Most of my attention is forward, and I think a little bit like you, this has been such a big – the year 2022 was such a – has been such a big event for us at the Emily Post Institute. It really feels like my horizons have opened up now that we're over that <laughs> summit or at least coming down the other side in some way. I know. I feel that way too. I'm like, okay, it's time to dig into all that stuff we've been thinking about just the same way for 2022. We dug into all that stuff we had been thinking about. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you have any New Year's resolutions on your plate? Oh, boy. I kind of do. And it's a little bit personal, but I'm, I'm and this is going to sound funny coming to someone who's speaking into a podcast microphone, but I'm thinking <laughs> about my communication skills. Oh, and really? <laughs> I, I'm focused in particular, and you're going to laugh at me, on a chakra scent pillow. And okay. <laughs> we got the coolest present from my sister-in-law, Susan. Thank you so much, Susan, if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> And they were these like little scent pillows, and there's one that corresponds to each chakra, and they all have different oh, cool. smells. And you can put them around your house, and they just smell delicious. Aria smells like the <laughs> the heart chakra one. It's been in her bed, and she like snuggles <laughs> with it. And when I pick her up, she's all cinnamon, and oh, it's just awesome. But 
I threw the communication pillow upstairs into Pooja and my bedroom. And the thinking for me was a little bit professional. It's not so much about the family space for me, but mm-hmm. as you know, I, 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 I have a big heart. I like to think of myself <laughs> as having a big brain. But in between those two, there's this throat chakra where your, your communication is centered in so many ways, or at least in that particular system and way of thinking. And um, opening of the throat and the chest and the communication center is something that a lot of yoga classes work on, a lot of meditation practices work on. And that's my particular resolution for this coming year. I like it. I like, I think that's a good, that's a really good one. I dig it. Last year, I remember that my resolution was to develop a a regular yoga practice in my life. After a good 15 years of Daniel Post sending over on the other side of that mic there saying, get thee to a (laughs) yoga class. I finally listened. Um, I've been doing a, a Patreon yoga class from Sarah Diedrich. And uh, I've really enjoyed the class quite a lot. I like the access to all the archives. I can choose things by the amount of time that I have in the morning or the body area that I need to work on. Things like that have made it really, really great. And I've stuck with it. So I am proud to be concluding 22 by saying that I actually stuck with my resolution. It wasn't perfect. There were, you know, weeks where I was sick or, you know, traveling or something and I didn't get to it. But I always got back on that horse at some point once I was back home and it felt it felt really good so i've actually decided that this year is going to be another kind of bodywork year for me and that that's what i want to focus on i haven't developed an exact resolution yet i purchased a subscription to a workout app that i had really liked the free version of it's called fitbod i just like it's it's to help me do like strength training and stuff like that dan you and i have talked about that like trying to build up muscles and things like that yeah and so i was excited to get the year subscription and treat myself to that but also just trying to to think about ways to work movement into my life more. I felt like, you know, like many people, the pandemic had me a bit stuck on my couch and I've been enjoying peeling myself off of it in 2022. And I want more of that in 2023. Just give me more. Exactly. (laughs) Just give me more. Just let's just keep this going, y'all. Let's keep it going. But I'm really, I'm really excited. I've got a 50th anniversary trip of my parents. They're taking us to Italy to celebrate their 50th anniversary. They go every year. Unbelievable. (laughs) So I feel like it's a good thing to you know get in shape for and uh and to feel good about how i carry myself and also like body stamina being able to go uh, like walking all day through these beautiful cities and and traveling with folks and not feeling like my body is gonna be kinked up or tired or sore (laughs) be the vehicle that you want it to be yes exactly 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 but anyway so i'm i'm very much so looking forward to a year of movement i love it you know me. I'm I'm a big fan of thinking in that way. <laughs> and for those who are wondering, yes, the annual Curve Lizzie's language is still a resolution. <laughs> oh, Snickers. I thought we might get through this particular New Year's without that one revisiting us. But I appreciate your remembering, Lizzie folks. I also still love all the things people send us as their substitutes for swearing. You guys have some really creative ones that I absolutely love. Snickers is definitely one that I stayed stuck to i would say that has become my go-to ah snickers we even made it into the book (laughs) lizzie boast it is so good to hear your voice i could keep going because there is a lot of catching up about these holidays that i want to do with you i know 
but we have some <laughs> questions to get to. We absolutely do, and I am here for it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute. Just remember, use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Our first question is titled Perfume Problems. Hey, Lizzie and Dan, I was at an appointment recently. As I was checking in, the receptionist said, you smell great. What perfume are you wearing? I usually don't love sharing this information because it feels quite personal. I feel put on the spot. Plus, the waiting room was full of other people with an earshot, and I didn't want to make the receptionist feel awkward in any way by my declining to answer. So, unable to think of a cheeky way to dodge the question, I acquiesced and flatly said, thank you, it's XYZ brand. Feeling a bit peeved that I shared information I really didn't want to, but it only got worse. As I turned to take a seat, the receptionist then followed up from across the crowded room with, oh, I know that brand, which one is it specifically? Now it felt like I was cornered into disclosing personal information to a whole audience of people when I didn't want to share at all. I've run into this situation a few times with strangers and acquaintances, but this was the worst instance of it. It's a harmless question. I totally understand the curiosity and appreciate the compliment, but I just don't love sharing what fragrance I wear. After speaking with others about this, I was surprised to learn that I wasn't the only one that felt this way. This question, for whatever reason, feels like an invasion of privacy to a lot of people. I know someone who even conceals their favorite perfume in a blank bottle. How do you decline to answer the question, what perfume are you wearing, in a witty and friendly way that doesn't make the asker feel rejected for a seemingly benign question? Hope you both are well and enjoying the holiday season. Your podcast has influenced me to add Vermont to my travel list in this new year, and I can't wait. Best cornered. Oh, cornered. I hope that by the end of our answer, you feel a little less cornered. And I hope that the wide open spaces in Vermont make you feel even less cornered. I'm just delighted that our podcast has had that kind of impact and influence. I want to start out by just affirming for you how personal scent is or can be to people. That for some people, it is one of the most intimate and personal things that, that they identify about themselves or someone else. And it is also a part of who we are that is something that is shared with other people in the same way people can look at us and see our appearance. People often can smell us or it happens at times that people do. And navigating the way that scent is both something that is very personal and something that is potentially public is a place where etiquette comes into play and just some awareness of 
those two boundaries, those two facts can go a long way towards helping smooth that interaction and make it feel better for everybody involved. Lizzie, I have a lot of thoughts about this, but before I, I keep going, <laughs> I really want to let you jump in and, 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 and help set the stage. Well, funny enough, the stage I have to set is one that Dan probably wants to push me off of because I am having the hardest time not thinking up just straight up lies to say. Like, I am. I know. And it's not a place we go. It's not something we do, which is why I'm going to be terrible at answering this question. You've been spending too much time on the Savage Lovecast, Lizzie Post. Uh, Probably. (laughs) But, (laughs) But I feel like. Um, I actually, Dan's got some really great, um, like cheeky answers, I think in here, and I want to let him deliver them because I thought they were really, really good. But I was feeling in this zone of if something is that protected and you can't genuinely say something like, I don't remember what I put on today, or I don't know what it is, you know, when you, when you can't kind of feign ignorance or, or even use true ignorance to to brush off the question and not give an answer. I think it's really hard because of exactly what happened in this story that we've been told by Cornered, where, okay, you give the brand name, but now the person follows up with the specific one, you know, and it's, oh, it's something you could, I was trying to think, oh, it's something French, right? And it's like, no, 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 they're going to follow up and ask what brand and then they're going to follow up and ask what specific scent from the brand. I feel like everything I was coming up with, Dan, was putting me in a worse situation. Either I was flat out lying or I was coming up with suggestions that were just going to lead to more questions. So I want you to come in with the sample script language here because I think you you did good. (laughs) The language came to me. The tone might elude me. Um, (laughs) And I'm imagining these with a smile on your lips or at least something resembling a wry smile. Maybe even um, they could be delivered with a wink if you were effective <laughs> in that way if you're a good winker <laughs> um I, I i thought with good humor oh leave a woman a little bit of mystery or her mystery <laughs> or something like that i um, like that one I, yeah leave my, me a little of my mystery <laughs> exactly my personal favorite and the one that i would probably use is i'll never tell <laughs> um <laughs> but i like the tone you use i'll never tell it's a little cheeky I'm, it's not like i'll never tell you know what i mean it's got le- levity to it in a similar vein i could tell you but i would need you to sign something first <laughs> And that's the one that I think they would probably go, okay, I'll sign whatever you need. <laughs> you, you do leave the door open just a smidge there. Totally, uh, totally. I was thinking, though, how similar this is to maybe or or how similar it could be to asking someone, oh, that's a that's an awesome sweater. Is it a real XYZ or um, oh. that, that, that there's – there are so many ways this question could be inappropriate that, that it, it, you know, how, how much did that cost <laughs> would mm-hmm. be another way that you might ask the question that would be inappropriate. I want to put my hand up and say I feel like I'm a little guilty here. I think that are you? for you those of us who have gone back and listened to the whole archive, I believe there's a show where I talk about uh, Egyptian goddess perfume, which is a scent that's very popular in some communities. It's got a vanilla background to it so it's sort of this Mm. this sweet smell and i find it very distinctive and i got to know it at one point in my life and now i can pick it out when it's around me and i've certainly (laughs) mentioned it to people not as like a i'm curious but sort of like i i know i can guess and Mm -hmm. this particular question has got me thinking about 
um, Egyptian goddess. <laughs> well, and, and how I could be better about the way I would approach that or open that up with someone that, that I think that if you were curious, if you thought someone did smell incredible, or if there was something that you had noticed about someone repeatedly and you were genuinely curious because you, you just really liked that smell and, and, and wanted to know, maybe you wanted to gift it to someone, maybe you wanted it for yourself. That an awareness that it's a private or a personal thing or that it could be for someone and just asking permission to even ask, you know, mm -hmm. I just, do you I, mind I, if I ask you what you're wearing exactly. and then they could say, you know, I never tell. <laughs> I also just have to, on a personal note, mention that Aria and I, my three-year-old are doing a lot of scent things right now. And mm -hmm. that same chakra pillow that, that she loves, um, mm -hmm. she describes as smelling like rose mist because <laughs> <And cinnamon. laughs> everything that smells good to her is rose is mist rose right mist. now because that was the first scent that she just identified and loved and really enjoyed yeah. getting into. So if it smells oh, good, really it's rose mist. I love it. I absolutely love it. So that could be it. your answer too. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> Aria says it's rose mist. <laughs> I like this direction of going with an admitted secret. I think typically I'm not a big fan of exclusion and I like the idea of sharing things. Whenever someone tells me they like what I'm wearing, I often tell them just where I got it. So that if they're interested, they don't have to ask the question. I can just say, oh my gosh, I got it from the store. Da, 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 da. Or, oh, it was a hand-me-down. Thank you so much. Obviously a little harder to go find that hand-me-down. But, but I, I do think it's okay with that cheeky smile to kind of put this in the it's it's my it's my special secret category and i think said as dan did with that levity in your voice that light tone that sweet knowing smile i feel like would really help deliver it well and then just move on from it cornered we are certainly sad that you felt cornered and awkward in this particular moment but we hope that some of our sample scripts will help in the future and enjoy that beautiful scent whatever it may be we'll never tell <laughs> whatever happened in this classroom is going to take a great deal of explaining suppose we go back to the day the trouble really started judy has brought with her a bottle of perfume it was her first real perfume and she was eager to show it to her friends and the girls were impressed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Our next question has actually sprung up a little bit of debate among the Awesome Etiquette team. It's titled, Appreciating School Staff. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Quick question for you regarding holiday gifts for teachers and school staff. Our toddler attends a lovely and somewhat large daycare center two days a week. We have found them to be exceptional, and our daughter absolutely adores her teachers and the staff. She has three primary teachers, and we planned to gift them each a $25 Target gift card as well as a heartfelt note. In addition to her three teachers, the director of our center is incredible. Our daughter has a lovely relationship with her, and she has always gone above and beyond for our family, including lots of one-on-one -on -one time with our daughter whilst she adjusted to a new school. Would it be appropriate to give her a gift too, 
For some reason, it feels odd to give her a $25 gift card when she's the director of the center. I think because she is quite a bit older than us and presumably very established in her career. Maybe a gift card just isn't appropriate in this case, but a heartfelt note of gratitude would still be welcome. As a side note, we budgeted about $100 for gifts for our daughter's teachers and staff. Another detail is that the daycare center is in the highest price tier locally, so we're already spending a great deal to send her. Any thoughts? Christina. Christina, thank you so much for the question. This is a stump the panel kind of question. This is not an easy one. There's a lot of etiquette going on here and a lot of different things to disentangle to really get to a place where you're going to feel good about whatever choice that you make. The first thing that I'm thinking about is the difference between teachers at a daycare center versus teachers in a school system, kindergarten Mm -hmm. and up, where you have fewer options or choices. Because we're talking about teachers, but we're talking about teachers in a daycare environment, annual gift, uh, an end-of-year tip of some sort is something that you have a lot of discretionary choice about how you want to handle. And choosing a gift card planning and budgeting ahead of time so that you can cover everyone. This is all well within that good etiquette umbrella for this time of year and this kind of showing of appreciation. The question of whether or not you include the director is really interesting to me. And the parallel that I draw in my mind is the one to the owner of a salon, where once upon a time we used to say, oh, if someone owns an establishment, you don't tip them because it could be viewed as Uh, A diminishment of their role, essentially, treating them as someone who provides service, not as someone who's an owner, and that it just wouldn't be appropriate or appreciated. It wouldn't have the effect that it was desired to have. Well, and they're also making the total profit off of the place, which a salon uh, worker who is renting a chair from the owner doesn't have that same privilege. They're not making the full money that they also don't have the overhead costs, but like it's not it's not quite the same setup in terms of how the finances flow to the individual people between the owner and the workers. Yeah. Absolutely. And I would assume in a situation like this, there's probably a difference between the way a director at a center is paid than the teachers at the center. That's a big assumption on my part, but I don't think it's a, a wildly inappropriate assumption. Yeah. Well, and, and it different places, the director might be the owner or they might not be. So there, there's a lot of different things here. Exactly. And if it was the salon owner, if they didn't provide you the service, the question of whether or not you would tip them annually might not even enter your mind. Right. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And in this situation, if this particular director hadn't been so wonderful with your child, hadn't provided that one-on-one service, hadn't been such a a personal part of her introduction to this place or her transition into this place, that it probably wouldn't be occurring you to include her in that same thinking. Mm -hmm. But like the salon owner that cuts your hair or the director who does those things, you're feeling inspired to do it. And how you handle that, whether or not it would be appreciated or not, is is slightly gray area. Mm -hmm. I would lean into feeling like if you feel like it's a good idea, if it's something that you would want to do for them, but you're uncertain about it, you can always ask. You can Mm -hmm. always inquire if it would be accepted Mm-hmm. Not necessarily if it would be appreciated, but if it would be accepted, that's something they'd be willing to accept. Mm-hmm. And that that puts them in a position of being able to decline if they want to. But it also leaves the decision in your hands if you really feel inspired to do that. That's the way I found myself leaning <laughs> on this question. Yeah. But I also, in talking with you, Lizzie Bose, know that you may be 
while questioning also leaned in a slightly different direction. <laughs> I think what's so hard about this one is that daycare centers come in all different sizes. You have some folks who, as a, a single director, operator, owner, and staff out of their own homes, and you have other people who are a part of a team. You know, they're, they are hired staff, they're salaried, all those things. And then you've got potentially directors who might not be owners. I mean, there's a lot of things that you don't, you might not know about the inner workings of the center in terms of like how people are paid, things like that. And so I tend to leave, lean in the direction for an answer for this one towards go with your gut that if it's feeling odd because this person runs a, a big center and might even be the owner of it or, you know, it, it just feels to you like it's not the right person to be giving a $25 gift card to, then I think lean in the direction of a really nice card or because it has been such a great relationship and, and your child really has formed a great bond with this person and you appreciate how much this person took care of your child during a transition, then maybe a more specific gift. There, there are tons of ideas out there, but... I could see you doing the gift cards for the teachers and the staff and then an actual gift and note for the director. That being said, if, you know, the director is on hands all the time in the classroom, really actually one of the teachers, I think including them in the same thing that you do for everybody else is probably a really great way to go. So on the plus side, Christina... I'm seeing no bad moves here. <laughs> I feel like whether you end up doing a card, a card and a gift, a card and the gift card for the director, that what I see happening this holiday season is you taking a moment to stop and thank this person directly and that that's what's really, really important. I think pretty much any way that that comes in is going to be good, especially for the reasons that Dan stated. This is a daycare. It's not a public school. It's not a private school. It's not... It's not in that area where the children are being graded or prevented from moving on to the next grade, things like that. And so I think any of the options that you've listed in your question or that we've talked about here would actually be really great for this particular holiday. I'm so with you on that, Lizzie Post. I feel the whole direction of this question is very positive. <laughs> Me too. As far as the details of this question go, I do want to I want to bounce this one right back to our audience. I am so curious how people are experiencing this broadly. Consider this a, a, a call to action for feedback on yeah. tipping at daycare centers. How are you experiencing it in your life, in your community, or how have you heard about it being done? I'm also feeling the poll for next week's Monday Substack coming here, Lizzie Post, just so you know. <laughs> I think so, too. I think so, too. Christina, thank you so much for the question. We are so glad that your child has had such a good experience at her new school, and we wish you the best in 2023. Above all, it demands that a teacher care that the boys and girls who are our future shall develop their potentialities and acquire the knowledge to fit them to make satisfactory lives for themselves and to become useful and responsible citizens. Our third question, titled Social Secretaries, is one of the shortest questions we've ever read on this show, so I'm editorializing for a little bit just to <laughs> drag it out. It was literally just the subject line, nobody. <laughs> uh, this question is super short. Who is the social secretary of the family? Did anyone else hear an explosion somewhere? An explosion somewhere? <laughs> like, 
like, I feel like this is such a question when you are not an independent person, when you're living with other people, when you've got a partner, when you've got a partner and kids, or maybe you've got like someone like your sister living with you, but like she's living with you and your partner and kids or something. There's so many interesting things about this question and how it shakes out. I'm going to start, Dan, by just asking you, how do you and Pooja do this? There are spheres of influence. (laughs) Okay, okay, explain. Because I want to acknowledge that there's a certain amount of work and coordination that goes into managing the social events of a family. And that's the way I interpreted this question. I interpreted it as a, a, imagine the role of a social secretary as described by Emily Post in 1922 were carried forward to today. (laughs) <laughs> Who would you assign that role to within your family? Because I, I, I it, it is sort of a term of art that feels dated to me in yeah. some ways, oh, or for sure. you know, yeah. evokes memories of a certain time. So, kind of grafting that onto my current family situation, it's it's just not possible. We don't have <laughs> staff that manage our social <laughs> calendar and get out invitations and. Obviously. <laughs> so, who who then picks up that work? How does that get done? And. The answer is that sometimes it's me, sometimes it's Pooch. And it really does fall within our spheres of influence. She is a more gregarious, outgoing, social person than I am. And I will acknowledge that she probably does more of the social planning and coordinating than I do. Mm-hmm. But she certainly has nothing to do with the Sunday football get-togethers that happen. Everybody's thinking, oh, really? Dan takes care of the football games. <laughs> but there were real they? I didn't hear anybody say that, Dan. <laughs> Traditional gender roles, meals, <laughs> and the children come, and there's childcare, and it's coordinated, and it, there, there's real effort that goes into it, and it and it's all you, and it's all me because there's yeah. just no way Pooja would do that. It happens within the fantasy football league group text, and there's a certain routine and tradition <laughs> and pattern and habit to it. I'm the social secretary for that one, and. Mm-hmm. That's just one example. There are lots of those in our life. There's a lot of coordination that goes on, but it's an important job. I think it's good to have some understanding of how it's managed. I think it's important to recognize the work that goes into it. I think one of the reasons we're successful is that we both are good at acknowledging when the other is playing that role and doing our best to support it and to not interfere in a way that, that, that is effective for us as a family. But Talk to me, Lizzie Post. How did you interpret this question? <laughs> exactly, pretty much exactly as you did. And I felt like as I look back on past relationships when I did have a partner, we often would go to, as you say, our spheres of influence or kind of our home turfs. Like if the invitation was from my mother for something, I would be the one coordinating and responding and dealing with it. If it was from their mother, they would be the person coordinating and responding and dealing with it and making sure all the details were in place. I think the harder thing is when you don't have people who have the same level of coordination going on. So it's like, just for example, let's say we'll paint Pooja in the positive light here. Pooja is awesome with all the details and you let's just pretend because I know this isn't true that you're just not there with it. No, there's a superficial truth to that. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Um, (laughs) Pooja, did you hear that? Did you hear that? No, I'm just kidding. It can start to feel really unbalanced, even if you're each kind of tending to your own flocks, so to speak. If one person is doing that 
And hitting all the good RSVP questions, things like, you know, okay, who's actually, you know, are the kids invited? Are the kids not invited? Is the dog invited? Is the dog not invited? Are we bringing, pre- is this a presence thing? Is it a potluck thing? Do we have to show up in certain attire? If someone's really great at asking all those questions, it makes them a really strong social secretary in their own world. If you're not, it can actually really create difficulties for the people for whom you're representing with this social secretary status. If you're not doing a good job at finding out the details or coordinating well so that everybody's really going to show up dressed for the right event, bringing or not bringing the right things and people and pets. And so I do think that the biggest thing I've taken out of this particular question is exactly what Dan said earlier, which is the two people dealing with it, the three people dealing with it. The folks who are responsible need to be on the same page of how they handle this so that everybody can feel supported. In some families, it might be that just one person is the person for this. And even their partner's friends and family know to go to them instead of the partner, right? And in other families, it might be the way that Dan and I tend to divide things up, which is like, who kind of is the point person for that contact, who brought that contact into our joint life, that person's going to be responsible. But I also want to extend this beyond just invitations, Dan, and recognize that this could be your social correspondence as a family as well. So who's managing that holiday card or that New Year's card that goes out, you know, who manages announcements for things for the family, things like that. So it's actually really worth taking some time sitting down with your partner and and figuring this out. This is a place where I say play to your strengths. If you want someone to be better at something, sometimes I think the best way to achieve that is by being really good at it yourself. And then as they learn from you and they they see how it's done regularly, eventually they can start stepping in and taking care of it. But it's really hard when someone's not naturally good at this or just doesn't think through those those kind of RSVP type questions and conversations that we often recommend having. It can be really hard. It can feel like you're pulling all the weight and then doing all the this type of cleaning or the that type of cooking or that type of organizing. And it's another thing that I think we really have to pay attention to as couples and as families. That's my thoughts, Dan. I could go on forever, I feel like. <laughs> I really could, too. Short question, long answers. Yeah. I hope that Anonymous hears our response and loops back. If there are more specific things that you were wondering about, we would love to dive into those as well. All right, class, stop typing, please. Before we go on with the next exercise, I'd like to make one of my little speeches. This is your first course in preparing for an office job. You're starting a new career. It can be fun, or it can be hard. It all depends on the way you look at things, your attitude. Our next question is titled, Intrusion, for sure. The recent question about a dog sitter not actually taking good care of the dog reminded me of a recent similar incident. I hired an 18-year-old neighbor, high school senior, to take care of my pets while I was out of town. We set everything up via text, on which her mother was copied, as she has been since I first met the youth when she was about 12 years old. When we got back, I was astonished to see a video on social media of the mother and child inside my house. Mother was explaining how to use one of the antiques in my home, and daughter was trying to follow her instructions. I guess it's okay that the mother came over with the daughter, but is posting video of the inside of someone else's house on social media okay these days? Or playing with my belongings? 
do I say something to the mother or just never hire that child again? Sincerely, creeped out. I would be creeped out too. I, I like straight from the title of this question, intrusion for sure. Our answer is this was definitely an intrusion. At least Dan, I'm, I'm speaking for both of us. Yes, Tell me boundaries crossed. Red yeah, alert. Boundaries sirens crossed. going off. This yep. is egregious behavior. It's really bad. First of all, our general advice is that when you're in someone else's home, you always ask first about whether or not you can post anything. You even should probably ask about whether or not you can take videos of things. This to me is someone who has just gotten so comfortable with the world of posting videos and things on social media that they have completely forgotten the etiquette around it, completely. And I think it's absolutely worth a conversation. I also probably wouldn't hire them again, to be honest. This to me is really bad. First of all, using antiques in someone else's home without their knowledge, if you broke that thing, whatever it was, oh my goodness. And not only that, but then posting it to social media. Are you kidding me? I'm like, this is me flabbergasted, y'all. I am uh, absolutely flabbergasted by this behavior. Definitionally irreplaceable. Right? (laughs) I was thinking a little bit about your, I think, very frank and honest assessment that you would both have the conversation where you let the person know what was wrong and not hire them again. And I was thinking the reality is that I'm probably in the same camp. Mm-hmm. And that got me thinking, well, then is the is the conversation really important or is it, if not necessary, is it beneficial? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is yes. And I'm coming mm-hmm. back to the big etiquette concept that is so often a theme on this show that parting well is important. Mm-hmm. That just because this relationship, at least in this context, is effectively over mm-hmm. doesn't mean that the best course of action is just to walk away from it, that letting someone know why it will be over, why it's not going to happen anymore, and that you found it really invasive and inappropriate and maybe even dangerous that they were Mm -hmm. sharing publicly videos from inside your home, your things, without having talked to you about it, without having a real sense of how you felt about it, because obviously you're not comfortable with it, so they didn't know and they did something that they shouldn't have. Yeah. That's an important lesson. If that child can learn it, they're also clearly not learning it from their mother. Yep. Um, Maybe it's important that the mother learn. I think it's probably more important that the teen learn it. Um, Mm -hmm. That's just me editorializing on that. That's not etiquette advice. That's just me thinking big picture about life. Yeah. But I do think there is an etiquette to parting well and letting someone know why they wouldn't be hired again. And I think that it's both for your benefit, but also for theirs. So I differ a, a little bit on it. I, I, For me, I wouldn't worry so much about explicitly saying I'm not going to hire you again, but I would completely – like I would, I would almost keep that as my behind-the-scenes solution in my own world, but that I would be very, very comfortable talking to them about how uncomfortable it made me and how upset I was to see the video on social media – to know that they had gone into my house for more than what we had agreed upon and that they had used an antique and if they had broken it, there would have been serious consequences. And I would have no problem telling them that my trust really felt broken and violated here. And I'm, I'm quite upset and I need, in fact, I'm upset enough that I needed to tell you that I'm really upset about this and I, do, I don't feel comfortable about it at all. 
I would leave it for them to either apologize or, you know, I, I don't know what's going to come from them, right? We can only say our piece and then the other person is going to react however they react. But for me, that conversation would be enough of a recognition of the trust that was broken that I don't even think I have to say I will not be asking you to do this again. I think you could, just so y'all know, I'm not saying Dan's suggestion isn't a good one. And if you felt like it was the right direction to go, you could. For me, the trust broken is is enough of a thing that, and then you just don't hire them again. And I would, you know, it's up to you then how friendly you are with the neighbor and how much of just a regular neighbor relationship. Clearly, it's not a place where you can trust them coming into your home anymore. But it's definitely a, a moment there as to whether this has soured the entire neighbor relationship or whether it's just soured the idea of them helping you take care of things when you're gone. Lizzie, I think the specificity of your sample script is one of the things that might save the relationship outside this context. Okay. I, I really liked your clarity about what it was that was inappropriate in the house for a purpose that wasn't what we had agreed on. Um, using something that you hadn't asked about. Sharing that thing publicly with other people. And that the end result of that is something that you reference to yourself. Then that made me feel violated. There was a lack of trust. Um, I forget the other thing that you said, but you were clear about the impact that it had on you in terms of how you explained the consequences of their actions. And yeah. I think that's that's really effective communication. It's not easy to do, but I think that that's what makes it useful for them and 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 honest and also something that would allow for reparative work to be done. You, but like you say, you don't need to prescribe it. But if they then have enough information to figure out how to respond, either with an apology or reparative work or just taking real care with you in that relationship in the future. Creeped out. Thank you so much for asking this question. I feel like it crosses a number of, of different topic areas from social media and trust and neighbors and all, all kinds of things. What I am, though, is truly sorry that this happened to you because I think you are completely justified in feeling creeped out. And we certainly hope that our sample scripts help you to address the situation. There's no getting around it. What we did was wrong, and we all know it now. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or you can find us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your social media posts so that we know you want your question on the show. If you enjoy Awesome Etiquette, please consider becoming a paid subscriber on our Substack by going to emilypost.substack.com. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content, including our discussion threads and community chat. Plus, you'll feel great knowing that you help to keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already paid subscribers, thank you so much for your support. Hi there. My name is Kathleen. I am calling in response a question that was asked on episode 431 about changing the venue of a child's birthday party. Yes, my name is Kathleen, but I am not the question asker. What I have to say about this is that 
my birthday is December 20th, and I can recall so many times where children's parents would agree to a birthday party and then at the last minute pull out because the holidays were upon us. And it was just incredibly sad for me. And I really hated my birthday growing up because December 20th is a really hard time to compete. (laughs) So I would encourage the question asker to do everything that they can to attend the birthday because they said they didn't want to go because it was at the mall during Christmas. And I'm sorry, but I don't think that's a reason to not go. I don't know what their situation is, but I would do everything I could to bring the child to the birthday party because, like I said, having a birthday on December 20th is and was hard as a kid. So anyway, thank you for everything. And I apologize for my rambling. And I have called in or have had you answer a few of my questions. And I really appreciate those. But happy holidays. Bye-bye. Kathleen, thank you so much for sharing your perspective on this. I remember when we answered this question, Dan, that I was I was really struggling at trying to both support our question asker because maybe they have, you know, really good reasons for for feeling like this party was now inconvenient. And at the same time, in my heart of hearts, I was really feeling like you show up for kids' birthdays. If it's a kid's birthday, you just don't be one of the people who chooses not to make it for something like convenience. And I, it was a really hard feeling to be having and yet wanting to be really fair to the question asker that there might be more there in terms of the word convenience than I'm thinking of. Like I wanted to give credit that we might not be using that word the same way. I am someone who is very, very sensitive to that idea of kids feeling left out or kids feeling less than. And I am so with Kathleen on this that just go if you can. Go, go if you can. Try to make the effort in all ways possible because I think it's really important for kids to to feel celebrated and feel supported. It is so much easier to understand that and get that concept when you hear from Kathleen who has experienced this herself. Kathleen, thank you so much for sharing this feedback. We really appreciate it. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. We love to hear from you. And you can send your feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And because this is the start of a new year... We thought that we would go back to the beginning and refresh our memories on the very basics of Emily Post etiquette. Dan, what do you have for us as a reading today? Today's reading is going to begin with the title of Chapter 1 of the Centennial Edition of Emily Post etiquette. We shall begin at the beginning. This is Chapter 1 of Emily Post etiquette, the Centennial Edition. Chapter 1. Title. What is etiquette? Lizzie, how would I introduce the opening quote that follows the title on page six? You would do it by doing it in her voice, Dan. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, I did it. (laughs) You are such a good reader of this book. For anyone that wants to hear Lizzie Post read this book with Emily Post quotes done in character, please check out the audio version of this book. I am just going to say the title is followed by an Emily Post quote. 
Whenever two people come together and their behavior affects one another, you have etiquette. It is not some rigid code of manners. It's simply how persons' lives touch one another. Chapter 1 begins. Etiquette is for everyone. We experience it whenever people interact. It is the social expectation that we have of ourselves and others. Contrary to the cliched images of staffed homes, Stepford wives, and silver dining sets, etiquette can be seen in the most humble and simple of interactions and spaces, and even between perfect strangers. While it can be fun to daydream about throwing elaborate parties, good etiquette is, at its core, about treating everyone we encounter well. You don't need money, power, a higher education, or deportment classes to demonstrate it. There is no particular time in history or place in the world that defines real etiquette. Good etiquette isn't formed in a particular type of household or with one version of parenting. Having good etiquette skills isn't a product of any particular background, class, identity, or religion. No. Etiquette can be learned and employed by anyone, at any stage in life, and is a choice that is available to all of us. Consideration, Respect, and Honesty Good etiquette rests on a foundation of consideration, respect, and honesty. We might think we know what these words mean, we certainly hear them enough, but viewing them through the lens of etiquette allows us to see that together they guide us toward good behavior, or at least give us a shot at it. Consideration. With regard to etiquette, consideration is thinking about others, as well as yourself, before acting. It is about cultivating an awareness of the people, places, and things around us and our impact on them. Through consideration, we show our sympathy and our empathy for others by exploring how a particular action might affect them. We aren't necessarily making a judgment about a situation, just recognizing the people involved and the impact it may create. Respect. As human beings, we deserve regard for our feelings, rights, abilities, perspectives, and traditions. By recognizing this, we can see when our actions or words impact someone positively, upholding respect for them, or negatively, disrespecting them. By following the principle of respect, we honor others, not necessarily because of any special talents, qualities, or ideas they may have, or because we like or understand them, but simply because they exist. Respect builds on consideration by encouraging us to understand how the actions we are weighing impact others. By choosing to show respect for others, ourselves, and the world we live in, we make choices based on our potential impact. And when we choose actions that positively impact others, we build relationships. Whether with a stranger as we hold a door, in a boardroom with colleagues, or at the dinner table. Honesty. The principle of honesty and how it is applied can make or break our polite path forward. In honesty, we find both truth and the ability to build trust by being sincere. As we look at who is involved in a given situation, how they are affected, and how possible actions might positively or negatively impact them, honesty can guide us to make the best choice for that moment. With honesty present in our actions and words, we are believable and genuine. By being honest, we can facilitate and maintain trust. Charm. There is a certain quality you might say wraps all the above together. Charm. Any action can be strong when it is founded upon consideration, respect, and honesty. But when our expression of the action is also wrapped in charm, 
not a false charm used to trick an audience, but a sincere charm of warmth, wit, humor, tact, kindness, and patience, it will likely result in a smooth and comfortable interaction. Dan, thank you for reading that. It is so good to go back to the beginning. It is so good to take a minute and think about the real foundation that, that you and I operate from when we're thinking about new and challenging situations, when we think about old and familiar challenging situations. It feels so good to go back to the beginning. And some of the things that stand out for me from that reading are the idea that people deserve respect simply for existing in a lot of ways, that etiquette is for everyone, and that it is something that can be accessible to all of us. Those things I feel so deeply in the work that you and I try to move this brand forward with. And I am just as as proud hearing you read those words as you and I were to work on them and craft them when we were editing and writing this, as when I read the audiobook. I'm really, really pleased with our, our sort of introduction to etiquette for folks. It feels like the right kind of handshake. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And it has me thinking about the very first couple of episodes of Awesome Etiquette, episodes one, two, three, where we were talking about those same principles and those same foundations. And while in the getting close to 10 years since that happened. <laughs> the particulars of our language have changed a little bit here and there, but the, the basic concepts, the basic approaches, the big ideas um, have really stayed remarkably consistent. Thank you so much for bringing us back to the beginning. It was my pleasure. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. But today, we turn to you to offer a salute. Lizzie Post? I really wanted to take a minute to just say thank you. Thank you to to everybody, and I know that sounds like a big group when you say it, but 2022 was really a year that was important for Dan and I and for this company and for this brand. And I have been so overwhelmed with joy at how everybody stepped up to the plate this year and really made it happen. I think there are plenty of things we can dream about. And anyone who is in business knows that there are lots of dreams that go unrealized. Since Dan and I joined the Emily Post Institute, we've been thinking about this 100th anniversary, how to make Emily proud, how to make our family proud, how to feel good about carrying this tradition into a second century. And I just am so grateful for our team that was our family and the people who work at Emily Post who supported us through the creation of the book and through the, the launch of the book. I am just so, and I know Dan is as well, all my eyes are wees. <laughs> I know that Dan and I are both so incredibly grateful to our agent, Catherine Coles, who helped facilitate making this book happen. And of course, to the team at 10 Speed Press. We just cannot express our gratitude for the the good effort and the grace that they brought towards working together with us to make this book as beautiful and meaningful to us as it is. And I just really want to thank everybody because it's been a banner year. We sold out the book 
we sold it out a second time, (laughs) (laughs) which was, I felt like a little bit of a holiday miracle. And, um, I really feel the support from everybody and I really feel the good etiquette, whether it was decision-making or planning or the creative process or Dan and I up late at 11 o'clock at night trying to run editing sessions together Everybody, it wasn't all perfect, but everybody did such a good job of bringing good etiquette to this project and to this year for us. And I feel like we are really sitting at the the close of this year, the start of a new one, feeling like we accomplished it and like it all happened. And that was by the work of many, many people and by the good attitudes and the good support and the good encouragement of many, many people. And so it just felt like it was a good time to stop and say thank you because we would not be sitting here feeling so incredibly grateful if it was not for all the hands that contributed to making it happen. Dan, is there anything that you want to add? Because I'm just like, I'm a, I'm a wash of tears here at this point. <laughs> the, the only thing I could possibly add to that is that I think that this podcast audience that's listening to us right now as the people that offered support during that creative and creation process and also as the seed audience for this book, as the the first people we turned to to announce the release of this book and to talk about sharing it with, that the reception of this book has also been so encouraging to us. And we want to thank all of you for getting your hands on it and sharing our and your enthusiasm about etiquette with other people in this world and for being willing to to put your money on the line and to purchase that book. I know there are a lot of people listening right now who own copies and we couldn't be more appreciative of your willingness to take a chance with us and to try the centennial edition of Emily Post Etiquette. We hope that you love it as much as we do and that over time it becomes a significant thing for you as well. Thank you all so much for your support and we are wishing you the happiest of new years for 2023. I'll spare you a little singing of old Lang Syne, but I'm thinking it right now. (laughs) Thank you all so much. And thank you for listening to the show today. And thank you to everyone who sent us something and everyone who supports us on Substack. Please connect with us and share this show with friends, family, and coworkers, however you like to share podcasts. You can send us your next question, piece of feedback, or etiquette salute. And please do keep them coming. We're trying to get extra salutes and extra questions so Chris can do his February vacation thing. By email, theawesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member of this podcast by visiting us at emilypost.substack.com. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps our show ranking, which is going to help more people find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks, Chris Chris and Bridget. Bridget.